0: I would say now it's official that the world recognizes the last mile as the most important and most challenging mile to travel. Over the past few years, we've just been faced with enormous pressures on our costs, on our labor, on our trucks, on our fuel. So every aspect of that last mile has become really what I spend every day trying to hone our craft and understand and be as efficient, as effective as I can possibly be for my customers.
1: Today, we are continuing our conversation about the last mile of produce distribution. This time, we are focusing on how to get more produce in people's hands and how the last mile distribution can do it. We have two great guests, Ted Katsarubas, CEO of the 100-year-old family business Katsarubas Brothers, and Josh Troutwine, co-founder and CEO of About Fresh. I'm so excited for the discussion. Welcome to both of you.
2: Thank you. Hey, Bonnie. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah. Ted, let's start with you and hear about your business. What is your mission and who do you serve?
0: So at Cat's Brothers, we're a fourth generation family business located in Boston. Our focus is on any and all food service operators. Our customers are, can source from us produce, dry goods, beverages, all dairy, cheeses, and proteins.
1: Excellent. And what region are you in? You said you're in Boston, so what region do you serve?
0: So we cover all of New England, so all six New England states we service from our location in Boston.
1: And what changes have you seen in your business as you look at the last mile delivery? How have things changed? Maybe not for the whole hundred years, but at least in the time that, that you've been involved.
0: I would say now it's official that the world recognizes the last mile as the most important and most challenging mile to travel. Over the past few years, we've just been faced with enormous pressures on our costs, on our labor, on our trucks, on our fuel. So every aspect of that last mile has become really what I spend every day trying to hone our craft and understand and be as efficient, as effective as I can possibly be for my customers.
1: So what kind of tools do you use to try to do that?
0: So we have different business intelligence, some different reporting mechanisms to use, You know, but sometimes it's just classic roll up your sleeves and get on truck, see what it's like to make a delivery, interacting with the customers to try to make that experience as as positive as possible. So it's every day you're figuring it out.
1: One of the things that I've seen in in talking to other people is just For a while there and a lot of people still, it was kind of text messages and spreadsheets and phone calls. And that was kind of how the communication happened. And then there's been a slow migration, but where would you say you are kind of in that adoption of different ways of doing that and and using other technologies?
0: I would say we're at the earlier stages of really adopting a lot of the technologies. You know, like I said, we're a family business. You know, how we spend our money is a very sensitive top of conversations. And, you know, in a lot of ways, we're still trying to figure out ways to build off the technologies that are open to us, but we're still a small family business at the end of the day.
1: Can you give us a sense of scale? Like how many trucks, how many people, how much food, or just some sense of scale?
0: So we have 70 trucks that that go throughout New England Wow! and we employ just about 200 people.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And I, it's hard to incorporate and in- figure out new ways of doing things and then spread it over that many numbers of trucks. And if it's, if it's working now, you know, it's hard to make changes, right?
0: Yeah. But I've seen, we, we've definitely folded in a fair bit of, of uh, you know, from GPSs and different tracking elements to it. So we, we've, uh, routed software. So it, it's, it has been something that we've found great benefits to incorporating into the business. And, and ultimately, while it's a benefit to our company the performance that translates on the other side for the customer just gets better with that.
1: Are they? Are your customers demanding that you do things any differently, or has that kind of stayed the same?
0: It's a good question. I mean, it, yeah, our customers definitely have an expectation for us to, to keep up with the big companies, so the bar is is continually raised. I would say the the most important one that we have to stay even ahead of where the bar is set is on food safety. Mm. So that's kind of a self-imposed bar that we've set that, that we really want to be at the height of what a customer could ask of us for.
1: What about your suppliers? Are they using any different technologies or do you try to get them to do things differently or is that kind of state static as well?
0: You know, with the growers specifically, I think that they are in a similar position where they're trying to figure out their best use of dollars to improve their efficiencies and improve their customer experience as well. And I think the growers, it's incredibly challenging to to hit the standards of some of the large customers that they work with, but they're figuring it out.
1: Yeah. And like you said, with food safety, that's definitely, you know, there's been a lot of requirements of being able to trace all the way back. So people are yep. forced to do things a little differently, right?
0: Yeah, very much so.
1: One of the things that you and I talked a little bit about was just looking at food waste, and that's become a a big issue on everybody's mind. So how do you how are you looking at it? How are you dealing with that differently?
0: So I can only tease this. And this is this is something that we'll probably be talking about, you know, a few months from now of, of where this company is going, but I've been working with Melissa Ackerman, who's the president of Purse Alliance.
1: And the sponsor of this show, this right now. And just just so
0: (laughs) conveniently, yes. And she's been, you know, workshopping a very special idea that's getting all of the shareholders together and having a good conversation about what is the actual food that's going to waste and why is that happening? And one of the things that has become surprisingly apparent that a lot of the reason to why food waste is created is just based off the sizing of the product and we believe very very bullish on the belief that there's a marketplace that that can take in the product that isn't sized to a certain end users specifications and like i said we've been having these conversations with the growers we're talking with grocers and we're also talking to people like Josh who have organizations that are working to fight food insecurities and working in communities that have issues with food access as a whole. And I really think that what's being built right now, just to keep the T's going, is really going to be able to connect everything together.
1: That's really exciting because it really takes everybody in the supply chain, not just one piece of it to, to work on that. Yep, exactly. Do you guys do prepared foods as well? or
0: We distribute them.
1: You distri- oh, you distribute them. Yeah. So you, you would buy them from someone else and distribute them. Okay. Yep. Is that a growing part of your business?
0: It is for our uh, direct-to-consumer company, Morrissey Market. We found a great response to, to prepared meals for that. And what's been really special about that is we've been able to work with the customers of Cats Rubis Brothers and also a company named Shirazi Distributing. and that's a dairy company. In Boston as well. So we've been a- actually able to take the products that are made by our customers and deliver to them to people's homes.
1: Yeah, so tell us more about that. I wanted to hear about Morrissey Market and kind of how it started and, and tell us more about that.
0: Morrissey Market is a tech-enabled perishable logistics service. So we're built to service customers at their home with restaurant quality produce, seafood, and also these prepared meals. And it's all built off the existing infrastructure of Cats Rubens Brothers.
1: And when did you start it? Was that a COVID thing or did you start it before that?
0: It was a COVID thing. You know, when the world was trying to figure out what was going on, we had a lot of produce still in our warehouse, flowing into our warehouse from California. And we had to figure out a way to sell the product. And what that manifested itself as eventually became Morrissey Market. And what's been really special and taken on its own life is is up to this point, my sister and I were the two principals of Cats Rubis, run the company together. And through this time, she's taken the reins along with um the CEO Brad McMara of Morrissey Market to really give it its own life within our infrastructure. And that's allowed us to just utilize everything all the time. And I think that's one of the special lessons we learned through the pandemic is we've taken every piece of equipment, every square foot of our warehouse and just figured out a way to keep it going all the time. And that's, that's a beautiful world to me.
1: Yeah, that's really great. And is it, so is it housed? Do you have a different warehouse or facility for it or?
0: It's it's right. It's in our current uh, distribution center. in uh, in Boston, Mass. So both companies share space, collaborate, source from each other and um, keep it under one roof. That's all we need.
1: And how far can you distribute from from Morrissey Market?
0: From Morrissey Market, uh, I would say we're probably just between, I'd say we're coming in about 40 mile radius from the warehouse.
1: All right, let's move on to Josh. So, tell us about About Fresh. And you have developed three parts of your business. So, tell us about the different parts of your business, um, what their mission is, and, and who they serve. And welcome. Thanks for taking time for this.
2: Uh, so, our mission at About Fresh is to just make sure that um, everybody has access to the food that they need to be at their best. So, we're a, a nonprofit that's based in Boston, deeply integrated into the healthcare ecosystem and focused on serving households that are experiencing food insecurity and diet-related health issues. The original program that we developed, which was um, inspired by my experience at a community health center, you know, confronting food insecurity amongst my patients, it's called Fresh Truck. Uh, It's a mobile market. We convert school buses into grocery stores. Uh, So we have three on the road right now that we operate across Boston, sell about $2 million of food this year. And it's really traditional retail model. You know, you walk inside of the truck, grab a basket, you're picking out all your own food, carry 30 to 40 different produce items that we source from cats and uh, And then you check out at the back of the truck. Uh, we take cash, credit, EBT, and then a payment method we developed called Fresh Connect, which is another one of our programs that I can talk about. Building on that during COVID, you know, largely inspired by a partnership with TED, we developed a fresh truck online market so that our community of shoppers can use cash, credit, EBT, um, or Fresh Connect, our payment method to actually pre-purchase food that they can then pick up at our truck. And you know we have some really exciting uh, work underway with Ted, with the city of Boston to actually explore um, direct to doorstep delivery uh, as a component of the, the Fresh Truck online market. So really excited about the work that's being done there. And all of that work between um, you know Fresh Truck, our mobile market, and then the Fresh Truck online market uh, is concentrated in Boston. So we just serve Boston communities, and alongside of um, the Fresh truck mobile market, you know, we're really thinking about how we can show up as an organizer and an advocate uh, for food justice. So thinking about like how can we support our communities, uplift the voices of our shoppers to actually shape policy and healthcare practice that governs, you know, whether or not we have access to food. So excited about all that work around both of those programs. And then we have a much larger scale technology-enabled program called Fresh Connect, which is composed of a uh, prepaid debit card. And then a web application that enables large health systems to cover the cost of food for patients. So they actually use the web application that we've developed to administer money to a debit card, ship that card to a patient. And uh, and then patients can use that card to then go shopping for foods that are aligned with their dietary health profile at a national network of grocery retailers that we'll be announcing over the course of the next few weeks. So that program is just ultra powerful um, because of how expansive it is and just how much freedom it grants to the the community of cardholders we serve to to go shopping on their time. So super excited about Fresh Connect. Tons of growth potential just with the advancement of Food as Medicine and just, just all that momentum in that space.
1: That's amazing. Um, I have so many questions on all different parts. So <laughs> on the Fresh Truck, do you go to the same places every day or like how, what's the routing? And I mean, you must go where people know you're going to be. So how do you set that up? Oh yeah. Like the three trucks?
2: Totally. Yeah. That, that's a super important component of the model. Same place, same time every week, pretty much all year round. Like we'll, we might change up a community location if we're hearing back from our shoppers or from community partners that like, maybe we want to change up one block versus another, but that element of reliability that you just named is super important. So, um, yes, year round, we're more or less in the same place, same time every week. And we become that that fixture um, for like healthy food access in communities.
1: And what do you what What do people say about that? I mean, what, what do you hear from customers that have gotten used to using the trucks?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a mixed bag. You know, I mean, it's when we pull up in a community where um, a source of just like low cost, really fresh produce. Um, because we source all of our food wholesale and we're not relying on, you know, donated inventory, we can totally control, you know, the the quantity and the variety like in line with the the cultural makeup and the preferences of the communities that we're serving. Um so folks love that, you know, and then you know, we just have like sort of a culture and experience built up around the truck where, you know, we're constantly like just celebrating food culture, just chopping it up about recipes. Doing what we can to like showcase the food culture in communities, and then in addition to all those weekly market sites, we host block parties, right? So we host events, you know, with community partners that are focused on nutrition education, celebrating food culture. So you know, we're ten years deep. This is our ten year anniversary this year. Fresh Truck, uh, Katz Rubis has been with us throughout the the entirety of that journey you know we just have that's 10 years of like relationships with with shoppers and with community partners so it's beautiful you know the markets are beautiful that being said um our shoppers aren't shy right about pushing us to be better in terms of the experience our efficiency you know cutting down on lines like bringing new types of inventory. so it's mostly all good but we hear from our shoppers sometimes when uh you know when they want us to change some stuff up so it, it cuts both ways
1: Can that be scaled? I mean, it's such an amazing idea when you think about so many cities where people don't have access or, you know, they have access to that poor, lonely banana that's been hanging in the 7-Eleven, you know, for a week. And so I would just love to see that everywhere. But, you know, is it scalable?
2: You know, it depends how you think about scale. And it depends on what it is that we are solving for. You know, if you just if you look at like the underlying economics of like converting a school bus and running it as a mobile market. Um, it's definitely not as efficient as a big box retailer or even a smaller format grocer or, or like an e-commerce direct to doorstep delivery operation. So I do, I think it's the most economically efficient version of retail. No. Is it super valuable from the standpoint of like serving those communities that like don't have access to a grocery store where there's maybe not that business context? Yes. Is it a really powerful mechanism to organize communities around food? Yes so um i think it should be scaled in line with those specific needs do i think mobile market should be a replacement for big box retailers and all the innovation that's happening in the food system through other retail models no you know we definitely have our eyes wide open to just mostly to economic limitations and experiential limitations 30 to you know 30 to 40 different items you know that's not satisfactory in terms of how it is that we want to be delivering our shoppers but you know mobile markets are ultra valuable you know with within that context of communities that are severely cut off from uh, affordable, healthy food options um, and as a mechanism to organize communities around food, nothing better. So definitely scalable with respect to like those contexts, but you're not going to hear us advocate for mobile markets to, you know, wholesale replace all other models of retail in our food system.
1: No, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't compete with any of that or replace any of that because it's serving people that otherwise are not served. So it's a whole different right. market.
2: Completely. Absolutely. Absolutely. And
1: are you? Is that part nonprofit? Like, do you do you have to yes. try to make money on that? It's a nonprofit. Okay, that's excellent. we're fully
2: nonprofit. Yeah, are, okay. we're we're fully nonprofit across the board. We we operate like any traditional business from the standpoint of just like financial discipline in how it is that we manage our economics. Our goal really is to make sure that we break even on food costs to ensure that those costs don't scale with us uh, as we continue to grow and serve more people. You know, but as we get deeper into Fresh Connect, I think I can talk about how we sort of solve for that other side of the equation around like, okay, if we're charging money for our food, how do we equip people with the purchasing power to overcome that barrier towards um, access? We do think about that. We do think about sort of affordability as being a barrier, given that we sell our food, but we got we got some pretty good solutions for that.
1: So let's talk more about Fresh Connect, which is amazing to me. So is that so you're scaling that? across the nation or, and are you working with like pharmaceutical companies and doctors and insurance companies? Like what's the structure there?
2: Yeah. So we're Fresh Connect is a, you know, important component of Fresh Connect is a debit card that we built on FIS filtered spend infrastructure. Um, That same infrastructure is responsible for about 70% of all EBT transactions. It's by far like the best in class, like FinTech out there to facilitate the adjudication of a uh, set of spend parameters. So in our case, we're able to actually program the Fresh Connect card with medically tailored spend parameters that are specific to a patient's healthcare profile. The money that's loaded onto the cards for people to go shopping is sponsored by health plans, health providers, community-based organizations, and philanthropy. So there's a wide range of like funding sources that are backstopping the money that's going onto the cards. We and then we built a tool, that web application that I was referring to before, that actually enables the end-to-end program management of loading the cards, programming the cards with spend parameters, and then that same web application is also able to capture data that's returned from the transaction. So we're able to track uh, shopper-level spend data from all of our cardholders, tie that to electronic health records, third-party research platforms. That's enabling us to conduct some like really exciting longitudinal research to measure the impact of Fresh Connect on um you know food security, you know, social emotional health, and then certainly, you know, biomedical health outcomes, and then hopefully total cost of care over time so that we can build the economic case for deeper investment. We do have a great partner in Takeda Oncology um, as a pharmaceutical company that's invested behind Fresh Connect that's allowed us to build out and expand all of that infrastructure that one, I think just believes it's a moral imperative to address food insecurity, but I think strategically appreciates um, the benefits of addressing food alongside a pharmacological treatment. You know, food is such an essential part of um, the efficacy of a uh, you know a pharmacological protocol. So uh, we need to solve for that, like within healthcare uh, specifically for for that reason. So you know, Takeda has been a great supporter and. You know, Kathy surfaced this. Uh, Kathy Burns, the CEO of the International Fresh Produce Association, surfaced this recently on a panel that we were on. We haven't experienced any aversion um, from pharmaceutical companies yet, despite the obvious tension that might exist. However, if if we get so big and we are so successful that we become a disruptive force to uh, pharmaceutical companies, that's that'll be a good problem for us to encounter because that that means we're keeping people healthy before they get sick.
1: Yeah, exactly. And
2: yes, to answer your question, just about scale. The other strength of that FIS filtered spend payment technology is that it's agnostic to retailers. We can work with the biggest box retailers. Our initial partner was uh, Stop and Shop and Giant Stores. So fully integrated as a payment method up and down the mid-Atlantic, as well as small independents, Vicente's down in Brockton, farmer's markets. And then we'll be announcing an expansion to 10,000 plus retailers over the course of the next few weeks across all 50 states.
1: Yeah, I want to go back a little bit to the the panel you were on um, in DC. So it was the AgriPulse um, Food and Ag Policy Summit, and I was mm-hmm. talking to Kathy yesterday about the panel, and she was saying that you guys had a great response to just what you were talking about. It's like this is this is time to like make some bold statements around how we can oh, yeah. really work with people in, in fresh food. Can you tell us more about the panel and what you all talked about?
2: Yeah, I mean it was it was a really interesting panel. I mean Kathy is brilliant. I think when it comes to sort of the uh, all of the various like intersections of like policy, like operations, and like economics of the food is medicine movement, you know, she just sits at that level and has had so many held so many, I think, interesting roles um, leading up to her her uh, tenure as the CEO of the International Fresh Produce Association. So she was really able to speak globally about the movement. And then Steve Brazil, Brazil, and and I. Uh, We're both speaking as like operators and certainly like advocates, you know, of this movement. And we really just covered, I mean, first and foremost, just like the moral imperative for the U.S. to cure food insecurity. It's a shame. It's a tragedy, um, especially relative to the scale of like food insecurity and chronic conditions like across the U.S. So, you know, we named that first and Kathy, Kathy did a great job teeing up that conversation and then, you know, Steve really came in to offer a really powerful testimony to where like large uh, wholesalers and kind of like traditional incumbent, you know, food system actors like Ted, like Katzerubis, and by the way, Ted and I have done this work and crossed over here before, have a role to play in scaling and making more cost efficient the food is medicine movement. And then where we fit in is kind of like that middle layer of infrastructure that connects healthcare to the food system, connects healthcare to you know, Cats of Rubis as a way of leveraging all that infrastructure, that buying power, um, and that scale to really deliver food as medicine efficiently. So that was kind of the range of the panel. Really beautiful, diverse perspectives. Ultimately, all came back together around this mission of just embedding food into healthcare to just cure, hard stop food insecurity. There's no reason it should exist. Like we have a line of sight towards um solving for it, and plenty of resources to invest behind it. We absolutely should. So um. You know that that was the big bold statement. I think that we all lined behind.
1: Yeah, it, it's pretty exciting, and I think having those conversations in D.C. around policy and thinking about what can we do around policy that has that happen. You know, working with the farm, phar- the companies, and um, hospitals and insurance, and just getting people to prescribe food instead of you know and earlier instead of we start having you know some of the health issues. So it's a it's absolutely place to be. Yeah. So Ted, let's bring you back in here. So you you all have worked together on this, and probably 50 years ago or even 30 years ago, you weren't thinking about, you know, what what you were providing people as medicine and and healthcare. So how did you get involved with Josh and and how has the program been for you?
0: I just saw this bus roll up to my warehouse and produce started going on to it. And I'm like, what's going on? I mean, that's that's <laughs> on that's I mean, that's
1: they're really cool looking. I saw a picture of one. No, and shout
0: out to uh, my boy Mike Strock in the, the Chelsea Market. Yeah, in the terminal market. So Josh was going in and you know rolling that bus in at three a.m. to our terminal market, which is in Chelsea, Mass. And uh, as as fresh trucks started to scale up, I think he just had a you know a chance conversation with Mike saying like I, I got to figure out a way to get this all under one roof. I-, I can't be doing all these pickups and 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 Mike connected the two of us so. That's how um, we really started to work together. And, you know, I think that time that we spent leading into the pandemic was all we needed to, to figure out a way to just really just shine for our two strengths together, came together and just able to take on such an overwhelming issue that was going on at the city of Boston at the time of trying to get food into people's hands while they were afraid to leave their houses. They were they had so many different health issues that were barriers for them to comfortably leave their homes. And that was all the groundwork that was laid
1: for that time. So is that when did you start? Like 2018 or so? Did you start working together?
0: Well, we were we were pretty much, I mean, at this point, probably 2015 at least.
2: Yeah, but I'd say to even out ahead of that, right? When we were just getting started, Vonnie, like we tapped into Kath Rubis at an early stage. We didn't immediately begin sourcing from them. But like Ted, you and others like at Cat's were really generous uh, to just help us get our heads around how it is that we go about standing up our supply chain. And like, I think initially, Vani, we were just sort of like in that super early stage startup mode where we wanted to go further upstream to like save money. Um, So we were driving to where Ted sources his food from every single morning, which is you know, not a good use of time as you scale, but at an early stage just allowed us to get our hands around the supply chain. So, I mean, Katzerubis has been a thought partner since we launched in 2013. But then, yeah, Ted, we got going on just like a day-to-day sourcing relationship. Yeah, it had to be 2015 at the latest. Right around there, yeah, at the latest. But Katzerubis has always just been a, a great thought partner and supporter that's just given us really honest insight and advice on how to make a really complex supply chain work.
1: Well, Josh, do you tell them what what you want or Ted, do you like, how do you guys decide what to put on the truck?
0: I mean, that's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. aspects to this relationship is that, Mm -hmm. that the two things that I want to kind of bring back to what Josh had said is that they run their nonprofit like a business and they are very conscious of how to, to operate effectively both for themselves, but also for me. So they were on a very, very tight ship. And that is something that's allowed us from the for-profit side, be able to partner with them in such an effective way. But the other thing that's super important for everybody here and just really think about this is that they are not built off of donations. They are not built off of food that comes to them to just kind of figure out how to get their to their customer. They're built off sourcing cultural relevant product and to a standard that all of my customers expect. And that is the recipe right there. So they're ordering the products based off of what their customers want, period, end of story. It's not something that's being shown to them or given them to, to just serve a different purpose. It's food that's healthy, fresh, that they will consume.
1: Excellent. That's great. Well, I could keep talking to you guys forever because this is such an amazing program and, and the work that you're doing, but I will leave it here and really suggest people look into what you're doing. And if someone was interested in getting involved in the Fresh Connect, either sourcing or just finding out more about it, how would they do that, Josh?
2: Yeah, just visit us at aboutfresh.org backslash you know, the way that we grow and, like, reach uh, more people with with Fresh Connect is by connecting with more plans and providers, right? Like, they're the ones that are initiating the enrollment in the Fresh Connect community-based organizations as well. You know, so as we are, um, you know, pursuing all this exciting growth across more retailers, i um, really excited about the potential of expanding partnerships in line with, uh, with that growth. So, yeah, aboutfresh.org, backslash Fresh Connect, and you can read all about how the program works, um, if you're a health plan provider, a community-based organization and how we can get started. It's pretty simple, uh, powerful program, but it's simple to stand up and get going. So we'd love, love to chat with any potential partners.
1: Excellent. All right. Thank you both. You've been listening to Fresh Takes on Tech, a podcast from the International Fresh Produce Association. Keep connected with us by subscribing to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show. That helps us keep delivering the latest on produce technology. Thank you for listening. Until next time.